Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of the new series. Um, I'm Scarlett and I'm here with Beverly Smith and Neve. Hiya. Hi. <laughs> so do you want to introduce yourself a little bit Beverly? So who are you? Um, what's your role at Newcastle Law School? So I'm Beverly Smith. Um, my job classification is lecturer in the law school. Um, my real specialism or my favourite thing is criminal law, as you both know. Um, but I also teach elements of LIM to stage one students as well. Um, my administrative responsibilities are primarily transition. So I'm in charge of pulling together the induction programme and also outreach, school outreach. Last year, I was also the undergraduate deputy selector, which was really interesting. It was an interesting role that I took up for the year, um, but I'm reduced down to three days uh, in the summer. And so that was one of the roles that I had to give up. So I'm, you can't do everything, not in three days. <laughs> Oh, definitely. So um, we just basically wanted to start with asking about sort of education. So what university did you study at? So this, this is why I'm like, I have such a passion for people when they're disappointed with their results, A-level results, disappointed with, their, you know, their, especially in stage one, you know, the, the results they get in stage one, coursework and things like that. Um, because I didn't get into my first choice university and I ended up going through clearing. My passion at that time was geography. It was really the only subject that I liked at, at school. I did French geography and English literature, um, but focused all my time on my geography because it was a thing, again, that I really enjoyed. Um, so I ended up going through clearing. And at the time, I wasn't really sure. I was first generation to go to university. My mum and dad hadn't gone to university. No one in my extended family had gone to university. It was all, I remember going into the headmistress's office and her saying, well, you should be thinking about university. And I went home and my mum and dad saying, what, what, what does that involve? What does that mean? What will you do? Where will you go? And it, it was all, you know, so alien, that whole applying to university thing. So basically, I just ended up in clearing just and it was all it was such a bad system you know back in the 1800s when I when I applied to university <laughs> it was all done on paper and you had to have your documents sent in the post to the next anyway to cut a long story short I ended up at Salford University in Manchester best years of my life I say that best years of my life and then when I talk about having my children I say best years of my life <laughs> um but yeah it was such such a fun time I absolutely embraced the whole university um, experience um, and came away with my geography degree 2-1 and had not a clue, not a clue what I wanted to do, you know, which again, I have a great empathy with lots of students in the law school who really don't know what they want to do because I was there, you know, I haven't quite still worked out what I really want to do with my life, but it, it's, it's so difficult. So I went home back to Aylesbury in Buckinghamshire um, and I found that difficult going back home after having all those years of freedom and just basically took the first job I was offered which was working for the local council in the education department and I worked for a couple of um, departments um, and then a big opportunity came and I, and I took that so I've gone a little bit off the point as usual um but that's that's where I started off I, st I studied geography at Salford 
So when did you, I guess, decide to make the career change? So obviously you've come into the law now. What was it? Was there a particular moment where you were maybe at your job and thought, oh, I can't do this anymore. I want something new. I, I, that tends to happen in cycles with me that I absolutely need. I remember that the point where um, it was and it was an inspiring lawyer that I worked with. So what happened was I got the opportunity to go and work for an oil company in London. And I say the opportunity because it was uh, the oil company was relocating from London to Woking in Berkshire for, to saving costs. It was Phillips Petroleum, an American oil company. And at least 50% of the staff did not want to relocate, did not want to leave London. So they had this massive vacancy, vacancies. And a friend of my dad was a recruiter and he said, send, because I was a bit bored by then, send your CV in. And, you know, I literally just got given the job. I didn't, it wasn't a proper interview or anything because they were desperate for people. And I worked in the contracts. So I'd worked in contracts and then I'd worked in contracts again and sort of like develop my knowledge and understanding of contract law. And then I went to this oil company and was in London a year, which again, happiest year of my life. Um, it was brilliant being in London uh, for a little time and then relocated to Woking. And this guy that was the lawyer that I worked with, with my, I was, I negotiated and drafted onshore and offshore oil contracts. So the helicopter contract that took the guys to the oil rig, the seismic uh, things that worked out whether there was any oil or gas in the North Sea, catering contracts on the oil rig, that sort of thing. So I worked very closely with a lawyer. He was called Jens Bertelsen. I never forget him. Uh, and he said to me, I would go back to him and say, this contract, there's like a bit of a thing here and this contract. And he would go, you're just, this, you're just wasted. He said, you, and he absolutely encouraged me to go back to school. And I was 28 and uh, ended up moving up to the Northeast for love. My, my husband was from Darlington and we were getting married and he really wanted, he'd had five years in London and he'd had enough. And I didn't care where I was, you know, so ended up coming to the Northeast, getting a job in contracts, back with a council, North Tyneside Council, and then went back to night school. Um, and I did A-level law, first of all, just to be sure. So I did A-level law at Gateshead College when I was 28, 29, and then just loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, and then did the CPE, which is obviously the GDL equivalent, CPE part-time at Northumbria over two years and had my daughter at the same time. And then went part, so I was still working and studying and uh, having children. And then I did the LPC part-time over two years, had my son and was still working. Um, so yeah, I, I, the attention span of a gnat, you know, I, I, people say you've got this work ethic and it's more like I'm so easily bored. Um, so yeah. And then it took me three months, but, and they hadn't had a trainee solicitor at North Tyneside council where I worked for forever. They just couldn't afford trainee solicitors. And I literally went, hello, hello, please can I have a training contract? Hello, hello. And in the end they gave in. <laughs> I just think they gave in and said well you go and look at it you go and work it out you go and find out how it happens and it coincided with two people leaving you know a lot of the things I think I was lucky I was lucky and so they gave me a training contract and I literally at that time you know I'd written to every single law firm 
And I was what, 34, 35, 36, 71 letters I sent. And I got two interviews. They weren't really interviews. They were like, come and have a chat. And I got offered one paralegal job. So, you know, it might, I wouldn't have given up. I wouldn't have given up. Um, but yeah, I was a little bit lucky in that I got my training contracts and I only had to do 13 months because I'd worked in a law, in a law department for like three, four, five years. It's just yeah. it's just one of the most unconventional ways, but it's just so <laughs> and this is why we wanted to get you on because it's so great to hear about just the so many different ways that you can get into it. Um so I was just gonna ask you, because obviously from sort of starting at around 28 to being what sort of 36 going into a training contract, how did you keep the momentum? Because sometimes it seems hard to, to do like a semester, let alone that, you know, that kind of amount of time so spread out. Um because I loved it. I absolutely. So the CPE I did by distance learning. So I had these big folders, like, and I used to go to Northumbria every six weeks for two days. And it would be, you know, telling you all about contract law and trust and equity, you know, I, in over the two years, you did three topics, four, four topics a year. Um, but literally, I'd, you know, I would get in from work, have my tea, get my books out. I remember when my daughter was born and the midwife came round and I had this stack of law books on the floor. And, uh, you know, Bethany was about, you know, 10 days old. And she was like, are you, if you, you have taken some time off? And I was like, oh no, because I've got an essay. You know, I've, I think I've got an extension of about five days because I've just given birth. Um, but um, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it that I was a sponge, you know, it was that. And I think because I came to it differently, I didn't do a law degree. You know, I didn't at that time. It wasn't something that I was that interested in. But as I studied it more and more, apart from trust and equity, sorry, Christine Bauman. But um, apart from that subject, you know, I, I was fascinated by it all and how how ignorant I was in the law and how all of these things were so important and people don't know it and it should be on the national curriculum alongside, you know, English and maths and science because it's so important. Um, and that's the honest truth. And, and that's the reason why I ended up as a teacher. So I practiced for about three years and, you know, I, I was um, I did prosecutions, which I loved. My husband used to call me Judge Pickles. Um, I used to go to the magistrate's court on a Monday afternoon. And I think I had only a handful of cases that went to trial. They all pleaded guilty because they all, you know, it was. And they were low level bylaw breaches, things like that. But my big case was my Morrison supermarket case, which I've still sadly got the cutting on my office wall, you know, where I prosecuted Morrison supermarket for an uncooked chicken that was a £1.99 buy one, get one free um and it it wasn't cooked you know it really wasn't cooked and they got fined seven and a half thousand pounds and it, that I mean you can tell that you know and I prosecuted some I could tell you some stories some restaurants and some takeaways um there was one takeaway in North Shields and the environmental health officers phoned me which was unusual because normally I'd just receive a file saying please could you prosecute please could you prosecute they were really good this is the law this is what they did here's the evidence and they phoned me and said, we're going to have to put a stop order on this um, takeaway. Now, if you put a stop order saying you can't, I don't, still don't even know if it's, it's the case now, you can't um, trade. 
if you're found afterwards to have done that wrong, you have to pay for all of the profits they've lost. So it's very, very rarely do we, did we put stop orders on um, restaurants and takeaways and, and places like that. And they said, no, we, we need to put a stop order on. And I said, well, what, what, what's happened? And they said, well, we went and did, you know, on a rotor, we inspect every three years and everyone. So it, was, it wasn't a public complaint. So they'd done this inspection, gone in this takeaway restaurant, and they'd said, that's great. Everything's clean, lovely. Where are your staff toilet facilities? So they said, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry, they're out the, out the back. And there's no problem at all, as long as there's staff toilet facilities. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that they're in a separate building out the back. It's, that's fine. So they went out the back, opened this little hot door thing, and there was the toilet, just a toilet. And so they said, right, that, that's fine, but where's the staff hand cleaning? And they went, well, in there. So the guy thought, am I being stupid? So he went back in the toilet and was like, it's definitely just a toilet. And he goes, I'm really sorry, I don't understand. I'm talking about, you know, what hand washing after you've been to the toilet. And he went, in there. And so what they did, because it was practice, where they came from was, they went to the toilet and then they washed their hands in the, in the toilet bowl. Oh. So that was, and I was like, stop, put the stop order on now, put the stop order on now. Oh, oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the sad thing was that they, the, that, that um, didn't, not understanding that it that was wrong, that it was wrong because obviously it was practice. Um, so yeah, I, I had a few, few funny cases like that, that, um, you know, were quite eye-opening cases when you're doing prosecutions. So, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I also did some housing enforcement, tenancy agreement stuff, which I didn't, I didn't like as much. I didn't enjoy as much. I found that quite sad. Some of the, the cases that I dealt with were, were quite sad. But you know what? After two, two years, I just missed the books. I just missed the books. I missed the learning. So I went back to, went back to night school. Can you believe it? So by now I'm about 37, 38. I lose track of time. And I decided to do a teaching qualification because when I did that A-level at Gateshead College, I was taught by a lawyer who was doing it part-time on a Monday night, three hours. And I thought, I want to do something like that because he, he again inspired me. He really did inspire me. So I went back and did a post-16 teaching qualification really enjoyed that got some teaching at a school some teaching at um Sunderland University business school because you had to do so many things to get the, the city and girls qualification and then really didn't have time to apply for any part I was still part-time being a solicitor part-time kids were still really young and then I got a call one night November night from Gateshead College the guy who taught me at Gateshead College then we've had a school on and they've started to teach A-level law, distance learning. And I was like, well, we can't do that. And they're like, poor Ben's, they're only 16. How are they? You know, that's that's an expectation too high, really. He goes, mm, I think they've realized that. But they've got nobody to support that online provision in the school. And I remember Ben had just started nursery. So I was like, well, I can literally go two hours on a Thursday and two hours on a Friday to just to help them out. That's That's all I can do. And again, literally, so I drove over to, to Jarrow. It was really small classes and I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. I had the books back out, but now I was like doing lesson plans and things like that. Um, and then after, a, well, by about the January time, the head asked me if I would like 
be interested in a part-time job teaching. So I came home again and said to my husband, I think I might I might change my career again. He's but he, no, he's always been really supportive. So uh phoned the law society and said, I'm thinking of doing something really stupid. Like I'm thinking of like giving up being a lawyer for a little bit and just doing this teaching for a while. I thought to like get it out of my system really. Um, and they said, that's fine, absolutely fine. You just have to like get a practicing certificate again, you know, when you re decide you want to be a lawyer again. So I went back to the school and said, yeah, I'll do it from September. I'll, I'll do it. And so that's what I did. I started teaching in 2001, 2000, about 2001, 2002. Yep. Part time A level law teacher. Wow. And I think we heard as well, I think from, I don't know if either of you watched The Night with Adele, how important it is that you have teachers who love teaching and they love their subject that they teach. And it sounds like you would have been a really good teacher because you really, really loved it. Well, do you know, I I, I am a bit of a show off sometimes, like me Morrison's case, obviously, world famous case. <laughs> but when when I was at the school, we had the best boys A-level results for a comprehensive in 2005, 2007 and 2009. So we got the best boys A-level results. And the, the truth is that a lot of that is because I was a lawyer. And, you know, the person that I, then the, the second year I was there, 48 people applied to do law. So it went from three, five, literally to like, and it was huge the numbers I think the most I ever had was something like 70 in lower six and 50 or 60 in upper six it was huge um was because I was a lawyer so I understood you know you get law being taught and very well you know don't get me wrong very well by history teachers and politics teachers people with degrees in those subjects um but you know I could (laughs) take my Morrison's case and say, well, this is what, you know, this is what a prosecution is and this is what this is. And, you know, this is what a jury does and whatever. And I would bring my real life examples into the classroom. Um, you know, I, we did the mock trial competitions every year, which again, they absolutely loved. Um, yeah, so I, I did and still do absolutely love I love my subject. I think that's the one thing is like, I absolutely love the subject because it's every day every day it's different it changes and also I love I love teaching and actually the reason why I ended up leaving the school after 18 years was because you know as it as often happens in in education is you do really well so you get promoted and you do really well because you get promoted and every time you get promoted you teach less because you're then part of the senior leadership team and you know I was head of sixth form for for six years and then I became acting deputy head and my teaching had was massively reduced and you know I missed that you know and and actually I but I didn't have the time to teach because I was doing all the other things um but that's often what happens in education you do well you get promoted and then you teach less yeah so that's um again really interesting so what was your um with the head of sixth form thing what was your kind of main goal with that you know when you kind of was uh, offered that job and you thought um okay this is what I'm going to go and do why was that and what the main kind of motivation for going into that role what was it that you wanted to achieve 
It's a good it's a good question because you know I've said I love teaching. I'd by the time I'd got to um about 2008, 2009, the law department was huge. We'd already won the best results in the country twice, you know, for boys. Um, don't know what the bills were doing, mind that the <laughs> shocking. Um but I needed a new challenge. I just needed a new challenge. I needed to do something new. And, you know, I applied, the truth is I applied for a couple of head of sixth form jobs, but I was older than most heads of sixth form, you know, for those sort of, uh, you know, careers and whatever, because as you said before, my career route is not, is not the usual one into any of the jobs that I've done really you know getting into teaching not not normal getting into teaching at 37 38 it doesn't although it does happen a lot more now um but I saw I don't know if you had the system the ALP system that set you targets or the ALICE system so when you entered sixth form did you have a system that set you predicted grades how did they predict you what you were going to get for your A-levels did they tell you what the system was as were based on we had um my i think my year was maybe the first or the second year that um, scrapped as levels counting towards your final a levels and so instead of doing as's because even though you could still sit them there wasn't really much point our school won our own end of year exams they use those cumulative exam results from over the year and also they might bump it up a bit if they felt like you had um, not perhaps met your potential for a variety of reasons in the exam. So that's how they did. We had this, we used this system called ALPS and um, it was, uh, it's a national system whereby you put the students GCSE um, grades into this algorithm system and uh, it predicts a grade. Okay, so we use that to set the targets and they were challenging. So if you've got your target event, you're in the top 25% in the country. Now, when I was head of law, I got I one, one year I was the top performing school on Alps. They told me because I used to go to the conferences every year. I got one on Alps, um, but we were always in the red. So we were always one, two or three on Alps, which was your target. And but other departments weren't other departments in my school weren't Alps red and some were Alps neutral and some were Alps blue, which is in the bottom. Um, and I wanted to see whether my teaching techniques, teaching and learning techniques, my everything that I did, whether if I was head of sixth form, I could get, that was my target to answer Scarlett, Scarlett your question. My target was to replicate what I'd done in law to the sixth form because I loved that. I loved that school. I, you know, it was just the best school to work in. And, you know, I did after I think four years, the school was Alps, got an Alps red, which meant it was in the top 25% of comps in the country or whatever. So you can imagine what happened then was that's when I was like, oh, I need to do something else now because I'd like ticked off that challenge for myself, you know, and, and I'm not saying that I did that. It, you know, I'm a it's teamwork. Everything is teamwork. You know, by the time I'd become head of sixth form I had I had two people working in the law department you know it went from me part-time with eight students in six in the sixth form law team to 125 and three three law teachers um so it, it really was a team effort but it was sort of using some of my techniques for encouraging and motivating and assessing and you know teaching and learning techniques 
to like get that across to the other departments and see if I could persuade them to use my techniques because they obviously did work, um, especially for, for, you know, for subjects like mine. Yeah, I think A-levels are really challenging. I found them really difficult and it's always the, I think we did have that similar algorithm as well. Like the, we were set our own by the school, but they also gave us the algorithm saying, this is what the algorithm thinks you're going to get. And this is what we think you're going to get. And I remember looking at them thinking, I'm never going to get that. Um, and it's just, it's, it's great to see. I think it's always nice when um, the people are invested uh, like teachers are invested in how students learn and how they're taught and not just oh you didn't know the content like, it's all about it's all a memory game sometimes I think it's nice to focus a little bit more on the process I think especially I've learned that from doing a year of um, uni online and doing exams online and I have one exam in my third year and that's online and so the way I approach my work is really different to how I did in A-levels because and in the first year of uni to an extent, because it's not memory. You see, I was I was very unhappy when they took away the AS result, the, the AS system, that the splitting it out, because that making everything count at the end of two years, you know, um, on what two exams or three, you know, for law it was it was was it three exams? Yeah, yeah, but but. Um, it's not, that's not a test that's not a test what if you have one bad day or you're not feeling well on one day or whatever which happened to me I had really bad hay fever that I remember went doing my one of my a-levels uh, I think it was my English lit and the the um, invigilator thought that I was crying because I couldn't do the exam but basically I had such bad hay fever that I could barely see my eyes were like so closed up you know no no account is made of that and it's like that's what you got on that paper, which massively brought down my grades. Um, and I just think the AS system, you know, it's Michael Gove, it's a, don't get me started. Um, but it's, I just don't think that it made the system any fairer. In fact, I think it, it disadvantaged more students than it supported. Um, so yeah, not happy about that change. I have to say I do sort of agree with that because I think that the pressure of A-levels is absolutely immense. I know that it was for me and I'm assuming the same for Neve, but I think you just put way too much pressure on yourself at that time, especially when you've got really high grades to have to get into uni. I remember that being a very stressful time. But um, if I could sort of go back to asking you about then the transition into university teaching, how you found that that was really different because obviously I know it is less interactive and obviously I know that you are quite interactive in your seminars so sort of how do you kind of bring in the A-level side into university? Um, well the seminars are obviously my favourite thing um, and the, how I got into university was um, by the time I'd left the school I was acting deputy head in charge of teaching and learning and my teaching had been reduced but you know a lot in order to do that but then there was a, a shake-up at the school and because it was a catholic school because i was not a practicing catholic when the time came for that job to be advertised i couldn't apply so i could do the job acting deputy head but i couldn't apply for it because i wasn't a practicing catholic and that's you know it's the rules so i just thought i think it's probably my time's up here 
I didn't want to go back to being head of sixth form. I didn't want to, you know, I just thought that, you know, there's, I want to do something else. There's some, there's another challenge for me somewhere. So, you know, I decided to take voluntary redundancy. I applied for it and I got it and then sat there for a few weeks thinking, right, okay, what am I going to do? But when I'd been at the school, um, we had, we had, lots of really successful students getting into Newcastle a lot of them were partner students you know as I say we're in a very deprived area um and so we figured quite highly on the WP targets as a school I think for for Newcastle University and so I was asked to be probably about when I was in head of sixth form I think um on the advisory board that you know the annual advisory board so I was asked as the head of sixth form at St Joseph's to be on the Newcastle University advisory board and I really enjoyed that I, I really enjoyed coming into the university seeing what they were doing and that's how I um got to learn about street law and you know the pro bono things was at the first advisory board meeting and I literally grabbed Jenny Johnson at the end of the advisory board meeting and went can you come to our school can you come to our school I've definitely got some students in year 10 who could really benefit from street law um and that that was the, really the start of my link with Newcastle University and so I was at the advisory board meeting having taken the, the voluntary redundancy and talking to Jane and explaining that I was you know taking the redundancy and basically sent in my CV in the case that there was some part-time lecturing or whatever especially stage one obviously but also criminal law because that was the you know the area I practiced in um and yeah just I got a few hours you know I covered for someone and then I covered for a bit more and um ended up in in the law school but for that first nine months I only did seminars and all I knew was teaching my way, which was, you know, the, the students will tell you, I would, we would be in um, contract law maybe, and it would be one of the difficult areas of contract law. Now I've worked in contract law for the first 10 years of my life, but I still remember how difficult some of those concepts are to understand. So quite often we, we'd put the seminar question away, we'd pull up the lecture notes, and we go, right, which, which bits are we not understanding? Let's go right back, you know. And I would use those techniques of making sure, I always, well, you know, I always say, you've got to leave the seminar knowing more than when you came in. But also, and, and, and that is one of my ethos is, is, you know, if someone leaves a seminar feeling really confused, then I've failed, I think. I've, I've failed as a, as a, as a seminarist. Um, because it's about consolidating knowledge and understanding. It's giving you the opportunity to test your knowledge and understanding doing all your prep. And when you come there, it's like challenging yourself, but it's also developing all of those transferable skills, feeling confident. You've got to feel confident that you can speak without, you know, being or feeling um, ridiculous or that you don't know anything or that other people know more than you. It's about making you realize that that you know you're all brilliant and if you're not understanding one thing either everybody else probably doesn't or they might understand that bit but they don't understand that bit that you understand and that's what's great about seminars you know when there's more than three or four people there it's because that's that knowledge exchange and learning from each other and building your confidence um you know that's that's what that's my ethos for seminars and that's I, mean, I think that's having come from that way from schools rather than the traditional way I think uh, that's that's why it is what it is 
Uh, I I echo that. I think seminars definitely make or break a module. Um, whether you enjoy it, whether you understand it, I think is very much down to the seminar. Beverly, I remember having you for a seminar in my first year. I think it was a legal institutions and methods, and it was on legal theory. It was during a, we were impacted by strikes, so we'd only had half the amount of lectures we should have, and we all we've been set absolutely loads of reading for this seminar. None of it made any sense because it's legal theory, and you're all in first year, and you've just <laughs> done like the very base, like you've done the very basics of in the first semester of Liam saying, "Oh, this is what the courts look like. This is how they report." And you're thinking, "Oh, this is relatively straightforward." And then semester two, it's, it hits you like a truck. And I remember you just spoke through. You, we didn't even do the seminar questions. You were like, "Right." what do you understand what do you not and then we went through and we like compared different arguments and I just found it so helpful and I've had some really good seminars this year as well that have really like made and made my modules good thank you I'm glad we, we used to get that you it was always good in a seminar room if there's a whiteboard because again you know a seminar isn't a teaching it's not a teaching in, you know in in the the narrowest sense, I suppose. It's like I used to make people, well, all right, then you don't understand natural law theory or whatever. And I would put it in the circle and say, if you don't understand it, tell me what you know. Okay, and make you go up and go back and think about what you know about it. Just again, to give you, well, I don't know much, but I do know this. Well, there you go. You know more than what you think. So, and it is a difficult subject. It is a difficult subject. So, but thank you for that. I'm glad, I'm glad that it helped. I mean, it killed me last year on Zoom, seminars on Zoom killed me because they're my favorite thing. Um, and you know, last year with first years, they were so well attended. That was that was the plus side of it. I had 18, 19 in my in my seminar groups and that and and that was lovely. Um, which is why I think I know so many second years is because I saw these faces, mm. you know, um, especially doing legal institution and method, which is eight seminars you know, you get to see the same faces, but actually that that not being able to get up and write on a board or, you know, walk around, that that was all, you know, so hard for everybody. I really missed it last year. Oh, 100% definitely, because obviously, because I was in first year last year, um, so I've had literally nothing to compare it to. And when I've come in this year, I just cannot believe how different it like seminars particularly obviously are because I just remember last year feeling so if you were speaking in a seminar you kind of were really putting yourself out there because you were really you felt like you were almost presenting to a group rather than just having a conversation which is what it feels like in a seminar room so yeah it was it was completely so different and I'm so happy this year now good, <laughs> but um, so again I just do actually did want to ask you about the outreach projects because obviously I know that me and Neve have done um, a couple with you especially the mock trial one but I just want to ask sort of how that started and how you got into that. Goodness how did it start? Um, it's this so there's two there's two two sides to it, I think so when I took the redundancy and sat there twiddling my thumbs I just I went online and thought oh, I know what I'll do I'll become a governor in a school with a sixth form because that'll keep me in and it's giving something back and I feel that I've got something I could contribute as a governor because obviously in my other role I was reporting to governors all the time so I applied to be a governor that ended up with me um, then being asked to do some some things so I'm, I'm now a governor at a secondary school in North Tyneside but linked to the to the link 
to the governor website was a, a website called in, it's called inspiring the future and you could sign up to other things and one of the things you could sign up to was um speed dating career events that sort of thing so you go into schools um for their careers day with year seven and i've done some primary schools as well which is just lovely um so one of it came out of outside of the university and I've carried on doing that because I think it's it's a really important role and I go as a lecturer from Newcastle University whereas before I was going as someone who used to be a lawyer and I sort of do a bit of both I do a bit of both so that came out of nothing to do with Newcastle University but has carried on through that at a career ready event I got approached by somebody um, who runs a thing called Think Law in North Tyneside which is marvellous. It's so good. Every borough should do it. And they do a masterclass for year 12 students. You'll, you'll really wish that it happened where you lived. So they invite all of the students in year 12 in the borough state schools to apply to, be, to, be, to do a masterclass in law. And over the two years or 18 months, really, they get to do six or seven masterclasses. So I was asked if I would do one of them. And I said, oh, yeah, come to the university and we'll do a bail application. So it makes it was whatever. One of them is a, a Womble Bond Dickinson. So I'm going to Womble Bond Dickinson in two weeks time to do an a introduction with all these. It's, there's only about 25 to 30 places these students have to apply. And I'm going to be talking about how to be a solicitor and how to be a barrister. But the mock trial comes out of um, the central teaching and learning group in the university had won um, a bid for some money from the EDGE Foundation. And it was to introduce um, project based learning, not problem solving, but project based learning to develop various project-based learning initiatives. So I met with the central research team and said, and we, we chewed over some ideas. And eventually we came up with the idea that a six week mock trial project might work. So they then found me a, a school or college to work with, which was Hartlepool. And literally I was, you know, before I was going, I was drafting the lessons. I used the, the material from the Citizenship Foundation, really, really good resources, really good resources. But I would use their trial, but I'd also then, the starter would be, what does it mean to be a lawyer? And what other careers are there that you can do law in? And, and what's it? loads of different things that I integrated into the, to the thing. And then COVID hit. And it was so sad because I think we'd done four weeks at Hartlepool, three or four weeks. And um, Jennifer at Hartlepool, the head of law at Hartlepool, um, when I was saying, look, we're going to have to, you know, probably stop for the minute because I wasn't allowed in the school and we couldn't really do it on Zoom. And she said, and I said, it's such a shame because the students were like so engaged. And again, Hartlepool, sixth form college, very mixed. And she said to me, you know, because Scarlett and I were talking the other day, weren't we, about, you know, what, you, what motivates you? And, you know, she said to me, and I said, oh, this this one student, I said, oh, she's so enthusiastic. And she said, I have to tell you that she's a carer um, and her attendance um, was appalling, absolutely appalling until this started. And she hasn't missed a day. She hasn't missed a day of school since we started doing the mock trial. It's all she talks about. So I say to Scarlett, that's why I do it. You know, I don't, I don't do it as a recruitment thing. It's no, it's no way, no way is this a recruitment thing. This is a, this is an engaging, you know, to try. She, she could easily have a good career in law. She, you know, she's got a difficult home background, but you know that that might have 
sparked her. Look at me, who knows? At 28, she might go back and, you know, so that's why I do it. I do it because, I, you know, I love, I love it. I love being back in a school, but also some of these some of the students in the schools that we go to um think that university and law and careers like that they're just not attainable they're not they're nothing they're not in their reach and they are they absolutely are the mock trial competition has got a really like firm place in my heart we ran it at school um we entered the competition and I no one I knew did law it was kind of you had friends in your class who had parents who were lawyers and like that was you didn't know anything else about it and then signing up to do the mock trials you know I had a teacher say oh you should sign up you would be good for it and I was thinking I don't even know what it's about and I signed up and I absolutely fell in love with it and it's what I never would have pursued I never would have done a law degree I never would have like wanted to be a barrister if I hadn't done it and I think it's just one of those things that even if you take from it going actually I never ever want to do anything like this this is really not my cup of tea I think it's just a really invaluable opportunity for anyone really to make just you and the thing as well you never know you know you never know if you're going to end up in a courtroom one day as a witness as a victim as a defendant and having at least a little bit of knowledge a little bit of insight calms the nerves it makes it a lot less foreign because I think sometimes it feels very foreign if you're not in it and you haven't experienced it wasn't it wasn't it the most scariest day of your life in sixth form but also did you not go away thinking I want to do it all over again I want to do it all over again that's that my students would be some of them would be shaking they were so because it's before a proper judge in a courtroom you know it's all of those things You've been practicing for months to do it. And then it all comes down to that day. And I, you know, sometimes I couldn't watch. I would have to sit. I go, I'll, I'll watch the bags and because I could, I just couldn't. I was so nervous for them. Well, you're walking around a court on a Saturday morning, all dressed up and you're 16, 17 thinking, I, I shouldn't even be in here. Never mind pretending to be a barrister. And then you have to go into a court and you've got a real judge, but everyone else is students. <laughs> it's really, it's really, it's absolutely terrifying, but I, I keep doing it. Uh, we do the advocacy <laughs> competition. Uh, we keep running them. We keep doing them. So there must be something that's bringing me back, even though I'm terrified. I love the rush of like getting it right, of asking that question and the witness home cross-examining going, oh. <laughs> this is what I like about the, the like, so obviously with the mock trial, Hartlepool um, didn't work. And then Josh Jower had developed this really good working relationship with um, Excelsior. Um, and with me being then given outreach, really sort of like um, the overall outreach person, we, we agreed that I would then try and remake this link with, with Excelsior. And this is what I offered them. I said, what do you want to do? This is something that I tried to do with Hartlepool. And they were like really keen. And on that first, you know, even the first couple of meetings, there was again a girl. And but the second thing she said was, my dad says it takes you seven years to be a lawyer. And, you know, da, 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 da. Um, and I was, that's why the next week I did all the different routes to, you know, into the law and what you could do and how you could get in and work degree apprenticeships and all of those different routes in. And then last week we we um, we got to 
questioning, cross-examination and examination in chief. And she'd been someone who'd been a bit like this. Yeah, she's a bit too cool for school. She wanted to be there. Not, um, I'm not 100% sure what her motivation was. A lot of them do criminology, a BTEC or criminology, but um, she was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. She got into character. She, was she the defendant? She was the defendant, I think. She did not buckle under cross And you know, Neve, I, I know you exactly can you're crumble under cross <laughs> No, and I think the witnesses make it as well. I think if you've got a really nasty witness, someone who's really not willing to budge at all, I think that makes it even more exciting. Yeah, it does, but it's hard, isn't it? It is hard knowing when to just stop and move on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, it just, I wish I'd been part of that now. It sounds amazing <laughs> because it was never something that we did at our school. But obviously, um, I think it sounds like an amazing opportunity. I but, think um, that's, Scarlett, I think that's the trouble. So like in, in Newcastle, you have to apply to, to get in, but loads of schools apply. And there's only so many, you know, on the day, I think we had 12 teams and there's three rounds and whatever. And it takes the whole day from like nine in the morning till five but that's 12 in the whole of the Northeast area. Um, but yeah, it's, it is unfortunate because you, you didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. But I think, I think to be honest, for any students, it's a really interesting, well, we say that because we're law students, but I think for us, it's the most, I think a trial is just always interesting. Everyone loves to watch TV about a trial, don't they? It's just, it's the interesting side of what we do. So it's definitely such a good thing, I think, to spark that interest. I was just going to say, so I tried, because we were a little, uh, because I wanted to encourage more people to do it, I introduced a court reporter as well and a court artist. And I said to the head of sixth form, look, if you've got an art student or some art students who want to come on the day that we do the trial in the meeting room and sketch it, or you've got somebody who wants to do journalism, because what that is, is a paragraph on their UCAS application, isn't it? It's like, I did this, I went there, you know, it was great and whatever. Um, and it is giving people those opportunities which is for some people are really difficult to get. They're really difficult to get those opportunities to have anything to say, especially in a COVID time when, you know, there's no work experience for, you know, in, in our school, it was year 10, you all went out on work experience. And if you didn't manage it, you went in year 12. And all of that is just gone by the wayside. Yeah, I think that's everything we want to speak to you about. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you, Beverly. <laughs>